From the South Dakota Statewide Family Engagement Center, thanks for joining FAMJAM, where we bring together schools, families, and community members to discuss tricky topics in supporting students. We're your hosts, Morgan Von Hayden and Dana Livermont. Hello, everybody. We are so excited you're joining us for the second episode of our podcast, The Fam Jam. Today, we will be discussing the tricky topic of parent-teacher conferences. Oh, man. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. And that's kind of what I think of when I think of parent-teacher conferences, honestly, because they are so much work for teachers. And they can be very grueling days because you have a, a full school day and then you you know, you're, you're meeting with parents all night and you're kind of on for like a 10 hour day. But on the other hand, they can be a lot of fun too, because you're getting to see parents and families and, you know, you're getting to know these students in school, but then you get to see like the support system around them. And it just feels very much like a community. So yes, parent-teacher conferences, they are awesome and awful at the same time. That's what I think. I love that because as a mom, I love them, even though I know you guys work as a school counselor, as a teacher, like you put in a full day. But I think part of the reason I love it is because, you know, it's been around 20, 50 years. It's kind of become a staple in American schools for decades. And in many of our schools, it looks the same way as like when you and I were in school, they're still doing it the same way where the teachers on one side, the kids on the, the parents on the other side, maybe with their kiddo with not. And it's a lot of give, give, give. And Sometimes it's not two-way conversations. Yeah, I think uh, when I uh, look at my experiences as, as an educator now, as a school counselor, and the conferences I've seen, the structure looks very similar to what I remember as a child. So yeah, maybe there's some room for change there. So today's um, discussion, we're going to explore the, the who, the what, the when, the where, and the why of parent-teacher conferences. Ooh, and the what's next. Because as I pointed out, these things haven't changed in a lot of years. So let's talk about how, how can we make these conversations even better moving forward. Joining us today are three educators from across South Dakota. Erica Boomsma is a fourth grade teacher from Huron, and she is the 2019 South Dakota Teacher of the Year. And she's amazing. She's a fabulous educator. And we also have two administrators with us today, Dave Swank, who is the principal at Canyon Lake Elementary in Rapid City and Robin Curtis, who is the principal at Lyman Middle School and High School in Presho. So thank you for joining us today. I think just to give some context to this conversation for our listeners, if you each could share a little bit about your schools and and the students that attend your schools, you're all from different parts of the state and you have very different schools, really. Robin, do you want to start us off? I am currently middle school and high school principal. Our student population um, at Lyman High School, we have 39% of our students are non-white. Most often I have a lot of students um, that are enrolled tribal members. At my middle school, I have 51% of my students that are um, of mixed races and it really helps us see that we have a wide variety of students. I think that kind of gives a background. Wonderful, thank you. Dave? So we have uh, at Canyon Lake about 435 uh, wonderfully diverse learners um, from a really wide range of ethnic and socioeconomic backgrounds. I think one of the, the really 
exciting things about our student population is that it is a truly diverse population for Rapid City. Um, we tend to be pretty highly segregated in our schools, um, but our building is, is really uh, a pretty even mix of students from different backgrounds. Recently, we've actually had a growing African immigrant population, which has been um, such a, a, a great blessing to our school. And then Erica, do you want to tell us about your school in Huron? Hi, well, I'm Erica Boomsma and I teach fourth grade at Washington Elementary. We are a four or five center. So what that means is that in Huron, our elementary schools are grade level because we also noticed there was, a, there was quite a bit of segregation happening in our district. We're extremely diverse. When I started teaching about 18 years ago, the population, minority population percentage was about 6%. And then within 10 years, it's boomed to well over 52%. And this has been a really wonderful time to be a teacher in Huron. We have become a refugee site. We have many migrant immigrant students. What we noticed was that a lot of our students were at different schools because of the housing market available. And so it became very socioeconomic. And we wanted to make sure that that was not an issue anymore. So all the fourth and fifth grade are over at my building. And that's um, it's well over 400 in just that building. Um, and then we have K-1, 2-3, the middle school, and the high schools. I want to start off with a pretty basic question, but it's also really important since the whole reason we're here today. Why, why do we even have parent-teacher conferences? What, why? So I'm not really sure how parent-teacher conferences started. I mean, I don't know the history behind them or where they all came to be about, but I mean, I have the idea that it's probably come from this need for a systematic way for us to report academics, for us to report kind of behaviors. And we now view conferences as in my school. I mean, this there is definitely reporting happening, of course. We absolutely want to make sure our parents know where academically their students are, cognitively, behaviors. However, this is our moment to make an impression with parents. This is how we start forming those relationships and building a team that really surrounds our kids. So when I look at conferences now, it's with a very different um, kind of viewpoint that I had. It can be very powerful as long as we have our parents engaged and it's not just I'm here, you're there, I have the information, you're just going to know what I tell you. We want to have our parents totally involved in the way that we teach our kids. I like specifically what you just said was it's the start of a relationship. So it's not we just do this one event and we check it off, but this is just a starting point um, for a relationship and a partnership throughout the school year. So I really like the way that you framed that. I think that Erica hit a perfect spot when she talked about um, this is kind of our formalized way of meeting parents, but I think that the conversations should have been kind of already happening between students, teachers, and families at the beginning of the year. So when, whether we see good, whether we see stuff happening, it's, this is just a formalized method of seeing the families in person. But I think that the conversations that we used to have at parent-teacher conferences now have been occurring ongoing all the way through. To go back to the history of parent-teacher conferences, I mean, they are a, a remnant of uh, an entirely different way of communicating progress. So it used to be that parent-teacher conferences were how we delivered report cards. Um, that was the original way that we delivered those. They weren't, you know, sent home after the fact. They weren't ever originally intended to be what we try to make them now, which is, um, as has been stated, the start of a relationship. Um, so 
I think we're still kind of stuck in that mode, though, because there's still this sort of view of parents come in, teachers talk most of the time, and, and it's great to hear that, that places are starting to, to move away from that. Um, but so often in education, we do things because it's the way it's always been done. And I feel like that's where we are a lot of times with parent-teacher conferences. I think we, we are continually trying to put this square peg into a round hole. And um, now, I mean, at, back then when that was the case, we, teachers weren't calling uh, parents. Parents weren't calling the schools. Those, those two things were completely separate. Um, and, and as technology has evolved and, and communication has changed, um, this should never be the first time that we've had a communication with a parent. This should just be that first face-to-face -face connection, or maybe not even the first face-to-face -face connection. Erica, you're a classroom teacher, so you get to be part of all of these amazing conversations. So what does a successful parent-teacher conference look like and sound like to you? Well, if I'm envisioning a good conference, and I'm really using it, you know, right away, I would see the teacher and that teacher has a smile on their face. And you want that there because it is our responsibility right away to encourage that gesture of this is a relationship I want to have with you from teacher to parent. And I think it's important that when we consider our parents, we really do take a moment to think about like when they walk through our doors, they're taking on intense amount of vulnerability. And they really are because they're walking into a situation that's not theirs. It's not their home. It's my classroom. I mean, that on alone will kind of put your, kind of heighten your awareness and put you on edge. But now we're going to be talking about the most important little person in their life, and that's their child. And that relationship between a parent and a child, it is strong. There is love at the center of it. And they are protective of their children. So when you walk in the building, it's not your space. You're going to talk about your, you love your child and you're on edge. And then for some of my parents, I know there is this idea that since the teacher's gone to more college, since the teacher has more degrees, now the teacher is elevated and I maybe don't have that much to say. And there is this place of feeling less than, and I do not want my parents to feel that way when they walk in. So right away, you have to establish I want you here. So if you really want to make a great conference, it's that you have to have joy. And that joy needs to be there so that your, the parent knows that you not only like their child, you want the parent to know you love their child. Their child is valued. And a great way to spark joy is to have an anecdote ready about, you know, the child. And you want to share that in a way where you're also letting the parent know that it touched you in a significant way, that that child's making an impression on your life. Because in the end, I mean, we can go through all of the academics, but parents really, in my estimation, want to know their child is safe, their child is learning and growing, their child's supported, but their child is loved. I want to say that there, there were two things that stood out particularly to me. When we talk about family engagement and what we believe, you included some of those things in, in what you were talking about, like this idea that parents and families want what's best for their child and they have hopes and dreams for their child. And then the other thing that you said that was super important, I think, is this level of um, authority or who's on top. And when we have really strong partnerships with family, we see both families and educators as equal partners in the equation. I don't talk about Teacher of the Year very much, but I'll say this. We got to go to San Francisco and I got to go to a school and the school is called the primary school and it is founded by Bill and Linda Gates. 
And so they really do take on a totally different way of conferencing. So they talk about health, they talk about academics, they talk about social emotional learning, and then most importantly, they talk about soul goals. So it's the soul goals that the parents have for their children. Have we, do we do that with, with parents at conferences? Do you really sit down with the parents and go, in your wildest dreams, in front of the child, what do you wish would happen for your little one? or your big one, you know, what do you dream? And why not include that? There's so much more to a relationship than just statistics. Yeah, I, I think that that should be the primary function of a parent-teacher conference is goal setting and not just the little process goals to get us through this year, but like, what is it that you want for your child in life? Like, what is their preferred future? And how am I gonna help you to get to that? How am I gonna help your child get to that? What is each of our role, parent, student, uh, teacher, other key influencers in the building, like what is our role in helping you to figure that out if you don't know, um, helping you see what all of the possibilities for your child are, and then figuring out what we're going to do this year to help you to get to those, those goals. Dave and Robin, when we think about parent-teacher conferences, we think about the classroom teacher and the parent or the guardian or whoever that grown up is in that kiddo's life. But we also have all these other people that work in the schools. We have the librarian, the school counselor, our cafeteria folks, uh, maybe a speech language pathologist, our administrators. What is the role of all of these amazing individuals during parent-teacher conferences? I, I have a staff of about 60 people um, and uh, a student population of, of about 435. And, um, if we focus only on classroom teachers as the ones who have connections with kids, that ratio is not really great. So um, what we like to do is make sure that we identify those kids who maybe don't feel like they have connections in the school. And that's where a lot of those other people can come in. We've had kids who connect with our custodians, who connect with um, our secretaries, who connect with our nurses, um, who connect with our playground people. And those people should all be part of the conversation um, because you're supposed to surround that kid with love at school. And that doesn't just come from one spot. Um, it's much easier to surround a kid with, with love and joy if that's coming from every direction. And that's where you can really pull in those other key influencers in their life. Um, and that's where you can maybe, with parental permission, invite coaches and invite um, pastors or other people who have a, a stake in, in that kid's outcome, that kid's future, um, and include them in that discussion. I think the big thought that we think of everybody is someone's human, right? Everybody in the building is someone's human. So we know that it, it varies, like David said, it might be the lunchroom lady, maybe it's the person that is just this random individual that might come and help volunteer. One of the big things that we've tried to do the last few years is we actually hold like an art show, a student art show when they come into the building. And in the library, the librarian does a really great job of getting our students engaged. And then the students are able to come present their art to their parents and then kind of bring this different piece because that's one of the parts that we've had missing in our school is art. And this was one way to showcase a different piece of the student. And I think that idea is that we're engaging every single person in the building 
And I think that it keeps going back to that everybody is someone's human. So let's engage all of them in th with this child's life. You were talking about students, you know, presenting and talking about their art. And I really like that because it gives the student a role in these conversations. And I think that's something that we miss often as like, okay, well, we'll let's just let the adults talk about this. And really the most important key player in these conversations is the student and, and how we're supporting them and what it means for them. So I don't know, you, you all probably have comments too about what the role of the student is in these conversations, but I really like that you were giving them space to talk. I think that's one of the challenges too, is finding that and breaking that barrier down of what was a traditional parent teacher conference. We're continuing to work towards student-led conferences. We're not there yet, but we're trying to work towards it because ultimately the student knows what's going on with themselves and the teacher, they're, they're both in the same room. They can have a conversation about it instead of this random, okay, here's how your child's doing, you know. I think it should be a conversation and not just a report. We've heard a lot about, because traditionally it was always teacher-led parent-teacher conferences, then we've heard of parent-led parent-teacher conferences and also student-led parent-teacher conferences. So it's neat when you kind of have a hybrid parent and student, but mostly student-led. Something that I keep hearing also, it's that sometimes it's not just somebody that's within the school. Like you guys even bring in the community because you're getting to know each of those individual little human beings when you bring in the coach, the pastor, whomever it may be. It just it kind of just ties it all together. I, lo I love that. So while we're on this topic of parent-led conferences or, or at least having two-way dialogue where both parties are contributing to the conversation, what do you all suggest? What can parents do to prepare for their parent-teacher conferences? I think, I think it's nice when a family can come with questions and with goals in mind, but not everyone's equipped to do that. And so I think schools have a responsibility to give parents tools to show up to conferences better prepared. So if that's even just like, here's the questions we're going to talk about here, you know, here's the, the data points we're going to go over, um, you know, just giving them a, a conversation starting point, um, but having, giving them some lead time and thinking about like, what is this, what do I want this, this conversation to look like? Um, you know, we do the same thing with kids all the time. We, we try to give them time to think um, before we make them respond to questions in a high stakes setting. Uh, we don't give parents that same courtesy a lot of the time. And so if we can if we can set them up to be successful in their conferences, that's going to make everything better for everybody involved. And I was just, and I was thinking about that myself. Like, I just always love hearing like, <laughs> I love hearing how wonderful my child is. Don't get me wrong. I think that's pretty amazing. But I also want to hear, I think what part that sometimes I want to know, I don't even know where my kid's supposed to be at the end of the school year. So I get these grades and I see where my kid's at and I'm like, is that good or bad? And like, we only have 15 minutes. And I did have one teacher once where she shared everything that was wrong with, wrong with my kid. But there was that moment where I'm like, well, you know what? Sometimes you got to sandwich it. So I guess as a mom, I would love to hear what's great about my kid. How can my kid grow? And then give me like one of those anecdotes, those stories like that you've seen my kid grow. I know that, that we want to give like an even perspective of like what the relationship is and, and what the, 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 what's really going on at school. But if those issues are happening, this should not be the first time anybody's hearing about it. So why does this have to be anything but a positive experience? I mean, we have to take out of the bank so often, like why can't this be the longest, best conversation we have where it's just, here are all the things we love about your kid. Yes, we know there are challenges. Um, 
Here's everything we love about them. Here's where they are. Here's where we want them to get. That is Here's spot on. It should never be the first time they hear about something going on with their kiddo. Never, ever, ever, ever. They should already know. I did want to talk a little bit about the realities of parent-teacher conferences, at least in its um, standard configuration and, and what we normally see in schools. And I was just curious from you all, what kind of attendance rates do you see from families um, at parent-teacher conferences? So I, I think we see on average about 70% of our families show up to conferences, but I would say we're connected to at least 98% of them on a regular basis. Um, one of the challenges in, in our particular school community is that we draw about a third of our students from um, north of the interstate, so over five miles away. Um, they have to cross the interstate. I mean, it's, it's, it's not easy to do. And we've, we've tried to do things to, to bring conferences to families um, in the traditional format that doesn't necessarily work very well, but we can do other things like home visits. And a home visit doesn't necessarily mean we have to be in that child's home. We can be at the McDonald's down the street from that kid's home, but we can see that kid's neighborhood. We, that kid can say like, this is where I grew up. Um, so I think there's other ways to connect besides a family walking into the school. What are some other strategies that you guys have utilized to increase the attendance for your parent-teacher conferences? Or just even out-of-the-box thinking, you know, like earlier, Dave, you had talked about how we're continuing to try to put a, a square peg in a round hole. If the And I think you just spoke to this a bit, but I just didn't know if anybody else had some ideas. But if the traditional parent-teacher conference or the way that we're structuring them isn't working, what other sorts of strategies or ideas have you tried to increase the, that engagement with each other? We have to be flexible. That's the key thing with parent-teacher conferences is not being locked into the fact that it should be three hours on a Thursday afternoon after we've taught all day. For some of my families, they're working double shifts. They can't be there on that Thursday at three o'clock or four o'clock. We need to be thinking about the families and, and really shifting our game plan and trying to help them and reaching out to them. Maybe it's a Zoom meeting for some of them because it works. And, it, and maybe it's, you know, it nine o'clock in the morning before they go to their first shift. It, we have to be flexible for our families. I honestly feel like we could have a five-hour conversation about this, but we have to stop. I just want to maybe get some closing thoughts from each of you. I think let's go to you, Erica, first. What is one thing that you wish students knew about parent-teacher conferences? I wish that they knew well, and you know what? I believe in making wishes just, if you wish it, why not do it? So I really don't wish it. I actually tell my students, like, this is all about you. You're gonna come and you're gonna sit at that table and I'm gonna be there and I'm gonna be with your caregivers, your family, and we are gonna talk all about you. And it's gonna be wonderful. And you're gonna sit there and be embarrassed, but I'm not gonna stop. <laughs> and we're gonna talk about every great thing that you do because I want my kids to know this is about them and they play an active role in their education. I want their parents with me. I want them with me. And we're going to be more than just a year. We're family now. So this is what we're gonna do for your lifetime. We're together. So that's what I want my kids to know. And Dave, if you could share one thought with your families, what would you tell your families? Um, I've heard it multiple times throughout this conversation tonight that this child is the oftentimes the most important thing or one of the, the two or three most important things that a family has, right? Um, 
And I want our families to understand that we recognize that and that we value those kids just as much as they do. Um, and we, we have a stake in their success and we want them to, to, to succeed every bit as much as their family does. Um, and that's what I, what I wish that every family walking through our doors knew. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Fam Jam. We hope you'll join us next month as we talk about building relationships. The Fam Jam is a production from the South Dakota Statewide Family Engagement Center, where we're committed to uniting students, families, schools, and communities together by focusing on learner needs from cradle to career. Music written by Tom Freer. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, SFEC South Dakota, and become our friend. We love having new friends.